What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome in. Welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. My name is Patrick Allen. It's the Thursday show, y'all. Happy to have you all here. Um, <laughs> Mo Patriot says, oh my God, no D-Hop talk. I'm sorry, man. It's a wide receiver show. We're going to have to... Look, I hope D-Hop signs somewhere soon so we can stop talking about it and start talking about what it means if he signs with the Chiefs. Uh, but until then, look, it's... Um, as you all know, it is... June. It's June now. It's June 1st, actually. How about that? Um, so on the bad side, it's usually a desert as far as Chiefs news goes. Not necessarily the case this week. We've got OTA practices going on um, and, and things. And so they're they're talking to the media. Stuff is happening. But I think it's good. It's good to have a late free agent signing. Plus, there's some interesting people out there right now, particularly in the running back. Cream Hunt's still out there. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott's still out there. I don't know if the Chiefs are going to sign any of those guys, but there's still some action to come as we get into the summer here. But I'll take it because it's a it's a little bit of a long ways until training camp at the end of July. Uh, so shout out to everybody here. We're going to be uh, having a great show today. I'm super fired up. We're going to have Lyle Graverson from Arrowhead Addict, one of the longtime contributors on Arrowhead Addict, going all the way back to when I was the editor of the site. He's going to come on. We're going to be talking about uh, the Chiefs wide receiver group, the draft class, and then when we get to Patty's power rankings at the end of the show. I'm excited about this one because there's been a lot of talk about television recently with Succession having its series finale and Ted Lasso last night having its series finale. We're going to rank our top five favorite TV shows of all time, what we think are the, the best TV shows. So start getting your list ready for the end of the show. That's going to be a lot of fun. A shout out to all of our members. I see a lot of you are in the chat. Shout out to our guy, Angry Drunken German, uh, who says that Hopkins probably already has Kansas City's playbook. That would be interesting. I don't know that they send that out until yeah, the ink is dry on the contract. But you know, again, it's the offseason, the big hype. And somebody mentioned it in the chat right now in the Chiefs kingdom. Uh, Cole, Cole, Cole mentioned it. Just, he says, Justin Ross is the player to watch. We've been making jokes about it on the podcast for a while now about the Justin Ross hype train. I'm excited to ask Lyle about that. This is a guy who hasn't really done anything on the football field in a number of years, but we'll get into all of that. But this is this is that time of year, right? It's OTAs. Um, they're running around in shorts and helmets, right? We, we don't really, can't really glean a lot, but this is always the time of year where you see these reports coming out of training camp. Remember when Noah Gray was a rookie and he got out there and he started running around and the, the media that was in attendance or the things that the Chiefs would tweet out, you would have thought he was the second coming of Travis Kelsey, Tony Gonzalez, Gronk, some of the reports out there about him running routes and all this stuff. And then you get to the actual training camp and the preseason games and, you know, it's a different story. I'm not saying that some of the preseason hype or no, it's not even preseason, summer hype is always wrong. But what I'm saying is you can't trust, they're just, running around out there throwing the bar on great Mahomes threw a deep ball to Justin Ross now he threw some fuel on the fire if you saw the clip big deep ball pass from Mahomes to Justin Ross uh, the Chiefs tweeted it out and then Mahomes tweeted it out sort of just pouring gasoline on the Justin Ross hype train I don't know that it's going to happen for him he may not even make the team to be perfectly honest with you but let's talk about it let's figure it out all right 
We're gonna get to Lyle. First, I gotta let you know though, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. If you're interested in becoming a member of the Arrowhead Attic community, check out the link in the description. We'd love to get you know to know you guys in the private Discord for some of our member-only events that we do, fantasy football leagues, happy hours, all that fun stuff. When we come to Kansas City, our members get the heads up of where we're going to be. We meet up with them for beers. It's a lot of fun. Uh, All right. uh, Before we get to Lyle, if you want to support the show, if you like the content that we do here, I've got a great opportunity for you with Caesar Sportsbooks. Uh, So we just got this offer and you don't want to miss it. It's for new customers to get their first bet on Caesars up to $1,250. All you have to do is use the code Arrowful at sign up. That's A-R-R-O-W-F-U-L-L. If you sign up using the code Arrowful, you'll not only get your first bet insured, but you're also going to be directly supporting the podcast. So if you haven't signed up with Caesars, that's the key. You can't already be a, a Caesars better, but if you haven't signed up with them yet, Check out Caesar Sportsbook. Use that code Arrowful. Drop your first bet. This offer is only available to new customers, 21 and over, and physically present in a legal gambling state. So please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for full terms and the offer. All right. So uh, our guy, Lyle, over at Arrowhead Attic, he wrote an article uh, this week. Lyle's stuff comes out on Mondays, has for the longest time, about whether or not the Chiefs are gambling at the wide receiver position. And this this got a lot of talk happening on the website, on Twitter. So uh, I wanted to bring Lyle on to talk about it. Let's bring in my guy, Lyle Graverson of Arrowhead Addict. What's up, buddy? How you been, man? Hey, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. It's summer now. I'm a teacher by day, so life is great right now. I mean, it's the NFL dead zone, but despite that, life is good right now. Yeah, and you, so you're a teacher. So what time, when I was in school, we got out at like two forty-five or or something like that. When do you when do you when does school end where you teach? Uh, my last class ends at three ten, so I'm I'm a little later than that, but not a whole lot. And then usually most days I try to be out of there by four. I mean, it's easy to yeah. work yourself on into the evening. There's always something to do, but you know I've got a family at home, so I try to get out of there by about four o'clock. Which I know there's a lot of people that would lot love to leave work at four o'clock, so I won't I won't complain there. What time do you get in there every day? Ooh, see, well, I teach, I'm a band teacher um, and I do before school jazz band. So I usually leave the house about 6 a.m. So it's, it's bright and early most, most mornings because I do a before school jazz band class. So, so yeah. Is it, is it high school? Uh, I do actually the whole uh, five through 12 band at the school district that I'm in. So I work, I work on multiple ages, which is fun, but also, you know, (laughs) interesting some days. What's what's your opinion of the youth today? Oh, I, I'm definitely <laughs> starting to get to the I'm 45 now. So I'm yeah. definitely starting to get to the age where you start to catch yourself being like, oh, these kids today kind of thing. <laughs> like you, it's starting yeah. to sleep. That's going to start to sink into my my vocabulary. But uh, it's 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 the same stuff, just in a different package. You know, it, it, teenagers are still teenagers. They just are doing different stuff to drive their teachers crazy than that was in the nineties when I was a teenager, but it, the kids are basically the same in my opinion. Yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting old too. And I long for the days of no cell phones. Not, <laughs> like I don't even want mine to, to be perfectly honest with you. Sometimes my wife, Mag and I will go out to dinner and I'll leave my cell phone at home. And I like, I'll be like, relieved i'll be like oh this is great and like you know if she gets up to go to the bathroom or something i'm like huh 
You know, like if I've got my phone (laughs) and like, I'm just going to pull that out until she gets back and like whatever, scroll through Facebook. And I'm like, boy, I guess I'm just going to have to be alone with my thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Look around, see what's going on. People watch. Uh, Anyway, that's enough old man rants. Uh, We get get plenty of that on this podcast. So I wanted to talk to you. Thank you for coming on. You've written for Arrowhead Addict forever. A lot of our listeners, I'm sure, have been reading you for, for many years now. You wrote an article about whether or not the Chiefs are gambling with their wide receivers. And we, you know, we've talked about that on the show because it's like, all right, well, after what they did last year, you could have looked at what they did last year as gambling, you know, a little bit, just because it was a somewhat similar situation. They brought in veterans, but guys who hadn't performed great or were banged up and like, how is this going to work? And what happens? They go on, they win the Super Bowl. So they've built some equity. Brett Veach has, has built some equity up. Patrick Mahomes has built some equity up in this department. But I wanted to hear, could you just give our readers uh, and listeners who may not have read the article yet, by the way, check out uh, arrowheadaddict.com. I believe our guy Richard is going to get the link in the, in the description and so on and so forth as well, so you can read it. But for folks that might not have seen it, can you kind of explain where you were coming from in the article, your logic behind it, and, and the reaction that, that the piece has gotten? Yeah, I I really didn't think I would get any pushback on the idea that they're gambling a little bit on wide receiver right now. Um, And and if I was going to summarize what I say in the article, I go into more detail, but that the Chiefs wide receiver group as it stands right now, if they don't add anybody else, has the potential to maybe even be better than last year. Like there's some upside there, but there's not a lot of proven commodities And so there's also, I feel like, a low floor where they're gambling a little bit, hoping they hit the upside. But I think there's a a reasonable range of outcomes that could be anywhere from they're better than last year, they're about the same as last year, or they're worse than last year. I mean, we can get into the specifics on the different guys, but but some of the gambles they're taking, I mean, it's not stuff that I think you can just count on, oh, lock that guy in for a 1,000 yards. Like, I just don't feel confident in that. And so... I thought by saying like, hey, there's a wide range here. There's there's the upside to be good, but there's also the potential that this could be kind of a flop. I didn't think there'd be many people that are like, you're crazy. They're fine. Um, but yeah. I got more of that than I than I thought. And again, that's not saying I don't see the upside. I do see the upside. But I just yeah. think there's a lot of unproven parts of that, that receiver room right now that they're they're gambling on. And and I think that's okay when you have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelty. But when you're looking at little things that could keep you from winning a Super Bowl, it's not going to make them a bad offense. It's not going to make them a bad team. But if you're looking for things that could keep them from, you know, getting that Super Bowl trophy again, I think right now when you look at the roster, the, the wide receiver room's one of the question marks. Do you think that that kind of reaction is a little bit just because, I mean, they're coming off a Super Bowl victory with guys, you know, some of the same guys and guys that had question marks coming in and the fan base is just feeling, feeling themselves right now. And they're like, I mean, it is kind of like when you look at this team with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, the way that they've performed, the different iterations, especially on offense that they've had, wide receivers, running backs, it, it does kind of feel like, boy, this, it just doesn't matter. They're going to win. They can, they can put me and you in there, and one of us will manage to get four or 500 yards receiving because Mahomes is brilliant and Andy Reid's a genius. Do you think that there's a little bit of hubris creeping into the Chiefs fandom at this point after winning the second Super Bowl? 
I think there definitely is. I, I think, and I look, some of it's they've earned, right? I mean, you watch Patrick Mahomes do the things he's done, and you look at how Andy Reid just always finds a way to put a good offense together, going back to the Alex Smith days, going back to his days in Philadelphia. And again, my point was not like, guys, this offense could just bottom out and be terrible. Like, I I think barring some sort of catastrophic injuries that I don't even want to jinx them on by saying out loud – uh, you know, th- I think they're going to win the division. I think they're going to the playoffs. I, but but when you look at like how close the AFC championship game was and and, you know, it's not like they just breezed by the Eagles in the Super Bowl. When you're looking at the things where, OK, where could they potentially come up short to me right now? You at least have to ask the question about the wide receivers, even with how great Pat is, even with what they did last year. I think when you look at the uh, the Bengals game where MVS had to, to step up, if you look at the floor of this group of that could be like every game, if all the worst possible scenarios happen, I wouldn't want to go through an entire playoff run with what they were down to there at the end of that AFC championship game where MVS had to carry him. Um, And I know they won that game. So people can throw that back on me and say, well, they won that game. What are you talking about? But I think we would all agree. That's not ideal. Like we need ideally something above that to, to make this offense go like it should. And so I just, I just still am, am, am a little worried, but mainly just like curious. Cause I do think there's a possibility that it all goes great and it could be a lot of fun. We just don't know. Yeah. And I, we've got some interesting comments in the, in the chat, by the way, I wanted to shout out uh boomer Miller says, I always watch your videos. Welcome boomer. Uh, love seeing you there in the, in the chat. Um, Cole said, uh, regarding Justin Ross, I feel like uh, if he even makes it to the first preseason game without being put on IR, he makes the 53. You can certainly see the talent in some of the clips that are out there. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, it, it's, I, it's not a top-heavy group, but it's a deep group. And we're going to talk about it later in the show where we try to predict like who's going to make the team. And when you look at the names that are there, there's going to be some people on the outside looking in probably here. Um, and just a shout out to angry drunken German for saying that never owned a cell phone, never will. I don't know how you get through life without a cell. Like, I think it's like, I can't imagine looking for directions anymore you know what i mean like i just i can leave my house and not know where i'm going and it doesn't matter right like if i'm, if I'm looking to a restaurant or something and i hop on the train i can get off and just pull the phone out. so like for that i love it I, when i first moved to new york city just total sidetrack here when i first moved to new york city uh back when i lived out there i used to carry a subway map around with me because there was no phone, there was no way to look anything up, and I didn't know where I was going, and that was like my go-to for like the first year, and then it just seemed like the silliest thing a couple years later. So uh, that's how old I am. Um, okay, so let's get into it. Um, so let's start with the DeAndre Hopkins thing, because we all agree that right now that there's not like an alpha number one on this team. They just won a Super Bowl without that. Again, we're removing Travis Kelsey from this conversation. We all know that Travis Kelsey's the number one receiver on the Chiefs. He's key to them succeeding, and he helps make everything else work. So we'll set that aside. DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I haven't talked with you about this, so I'm interested to hear your thoughts. We talked a lot about him on the show when Hopkins was on the trade block, and most everybody seemed to agree in the Arrowhead Addict universe, it's not worth trading for. 
because of some of the injuries, because of the age, despite the talent, we don't want to give up assets. I'm interested to know how you felt then and how you feel now that he's free on the market and the Chiefs don't have to give up any assets other than cap space if they want to try to sign him. Yeah, I, I would have been in the camp of, hey, if they can get him for like a late round pick and rework the contract so it works, fine. But like if they were wanting like a second round pick or something like that, like no, I'm not even considering it. Or if they had to take on the full contract because wasn't he due to make like 20 million or something like that? I think this yeah, season, like there's just no way like there's, that was like not even in the realm of, of possibilities in my opinion. Um, but now that he's like you said, free, um, if they can make a contract work without messing up their financial plans, I'm a hundred percent on board with bringing him on. Now, do I think that they should move heaven and earth and pay him whatever he wants or give him a big long contract where you've got a bunch of money tied to him down the road? No, I don't think you want to do any of that. Um, I don't think they should win a bidding war for, for Hopkins, I guess is what I would say. But if he's, because he was on the record before he got released multiple times saying, you know, I want to play with a great quarterback. I want to win a Super Bowl. If, if, the, if that's really his top priority, Awesome. We're the best spot to come. Come play with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. There's this big question mark in our wide receiver group where you can just step right in and have this predominant role. Um, and so if, if he was serious there, I think it makes a lot of sense. Now, if suddenly he's a free agent and teams are calling and going, well, we'll pay you $10 million more a year guaranteed than what KC will, and that suddenly goes, well, you know what? have to play with the best court like then i'm like okay we're out kind of thing but to me with the question marks again we still have upside at wide receiver but with the question marks there if you could add a guy like hopkins to me now i've got zero worries not that he still couldn't get injured or things you know anything can happen but at least you've added a reliable element to go with some of the young upside that they have and and the other thing that i would say that influences my thinking there is yes we are going to have Mahomes for a long time and you never want to punt future success because you're always going to be a contender with him but I think we are getting down to like not knowing how many more years we have Andy Reid and prime Travis Kelsey and right. if you can get another ring or two this year and next year with with Hopkins as like another piece of that puzzle to me, like, yeah, make the money, find a way to move some money around and make it work as long as he's not asking for a crazy big deal. Because um, I just think I think to me, he's a better version of what Juju was last year. You know, if him and yeah. Pat got to the point where they Pat knew where he was going to be give throw the ball in his direction hopkins has proved he'll come down with it so i think if you could just give him another reliable weapon while we still have andy and travis man let's go let's go get another super bowl and and add that piece and and take some of the risk of the wide receiver room out but that having said if he wants 20 million dollars next year then no <laughs> like okay thanks we'll we'll make it yeah. work with with the young guys that we have and I think you made a great point about Kelsey. You know, he was when Tyreek was here, it was one A and one B, right? Uh, with those two, as far as the, the passing game goes. And when Tyreek left, you're like, okay, well, what about our team is just going to be able to take Kelsey away? Nope. 
It's why he's a Hall of Famer. It didn't matter. He was still incredibly productive, despite the fact that there wasn't another receiver on the field that teams were like, oh, crap, we we have to account for this guy. But how long can Travis Kelsey be that guy without another guy on the field that teams have to worry about? And I think that's where he doesn't have to lose very much to where if you're in that situation, he might be easier to take away. So ideally, I think you get to this point where he gracefully goes the, uh, I'm trying to think, who's who's the tight end that played for the Cowboys forever? Um, uh, Jason Witten. Jason Witten. Like he goes the Jason Witten route where like he, you know, he's very productive, still one of the better tight ends in the league and sort of fades out. That's how I would love to see Travis's career end because he could still be a really, really productive and, and useful tool for the Chiefs as they try to win multiple Super Bowls the last few years of his career. But if they don't have that guy, it could be a lot harder. So that's one thing that appeals to me about Hopkins or a player like Hopkins is that it makes those latter years of the Travis Kelsey career, which hopefully don't come for like three years, makes those latter years of the Travis Kelsey could extend his window with the Chiefs. And I think that would be absolutely fantastic. But I'm with you. It comes down, and we've mentioned this on the show before, it comes down to does DeAndre Hopkins want a Super Bowl more than anything? And how much more? Because if he's looking at the quarterbacks, look, he's played with crap quarterbacks his entire well he played with Deshaun Watson right but like on teams that couldn't get you know bad coaching couldn't get anything done then he goes Arizona it doesn't work out so he wants to play with a with a tier one quarterback you know is he sitting there and the Chiefs are like yeah we can give you you know whatever five million a year or something like that seven million and he's looking at the difference between that and Josh Allen but like five million more dollars or seven million more dollars than what the Chiefs are offering. Uh, maybe even a couple million. And that's where it's does that flip. And he's like, well, this guy's still really good. And these guys are a contender in the AFC and I can go there and help them and I'll make more money. It's win, 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 win. You know, is is he gonna be in the part in the point where he's like, oh no, I only want to play with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and I'm willing to take a discount. Because let's just be honest, if there's any sort of bidding war, the Chiefs can't win it. Like they've, they can move some money around probably to make room to pay him something that will make him happy, but other teams have more space. So it's just going to be really difficult, in my view, for the Chiefs to land him unless he just makes Kansas City the priority. And he looks at what happened to Juju Smith Schuster last year and says, I really want to win a Super Bowl. It could, it could put me in potentially in the Hall of Fame. I go play with these guys for a couple years. I've made a lot of money. I'm good. It has to be at that, I think, for him to end up in Kansas City because Brett Veach has shown he's not going to mortgage, you know, the whole farm to get one guy again. I just don't think he's unless he really believes in it. And he just proved that he doesn't have to. And I've said multiple times on this show, trading for Hopkins would have been a team that a desperate would have been a move that a desperate team makes a team that thinks they're one player away. That's not the Chiefs. And that's going to be the same thing for overpaying him. You don't overpay DeAndre Hopkins if you're the Chiefs because you don't you don't need him. You just prove that you don't need him. But he would be nice to have. 
Yeah. And, and I, I see what CBR posted here about um, we can move a ton of cash around if we want him. I, we can. One thing I said in the article that a few people push back on is I, I just don't see Brett Veach rushing a deal with Chris Jones or a rework with Mahomes contract for the purpose of signing an aging wide receiver. Like if, if he gets an extension done with Chris Jones, it's going to be on the timeline that they feel comfortable with doing the Jones deal. They're not going to let, I just don't believe that when you listen to Brett Veach talk about their long-term planning and how they really look multiple years down the road. They're not just going to go, okay, give Chris what he wants, whatever the format has to be so we can quick knock this out so that we can sign Hopkins. They're not going to do that. And they're definitely not going to do that with Mahomes' deal with some sort of restructure. And I could be wrong on this, but I think when they converted some of, of Mahomes' roster bonus to signing bonus to create a little space, I think that, I don't think they can do more of that this year. I could be wrong on that, but I think there was a date they had to do that by, and they did do some, but I don't, they didn't do the whole amount. They left like 20 million on the table or something that they could have converted to save them in future years from that money hitting. But I don't think they can just flick a switch and go, okay, some of that roster bone, more of that roster bonus, I should say, is now signing bonus, and there's the space we need for Hopkins. I don't think they can do that. I think it would have to be a true we reworked the back part of his deal kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so again, the the idea that they're just going to like do some sort of major deal to create space, I think it would have to be little things. Um, somebody mentioned Tooney's contract, and I think something small like that to create a little space where maybe you could get an incentive based deal. If Hopkins was willing to take one of that, that I think they could do. They, they aren't going to, they aren't going to do a major, a major move just for the sake of signing Hopkins, at least in my opinion. Yeah. And, and there's nothing that Brett Veach has done recently to indicate that he would do, do something like that. Like he did not, he did not open up the pocketbook for Orlando Brown Jr. Like he just, he was, he's like, we're going to pay what we're going to pay. I know what I think you're worth to the team. And this is as far as I'm willing to go. And he let him walk. That's a bold move. Now you just came off a Super Bowl win. He's done a pretty good job of protecting your franchise quarterback at left tackle. That's a pretty bold move, but Brett Veach is operating off a playbook here. It doesn't mean he can't bend his own rules, but I think he's showing a lot of discipline with this team because he's thinking about the long-term health of this team. And he's always got a way who is worth really paying. Can I get somebody that's in the ballpark talent wise, protection wise of Orlando Brown jr. Without throwing a ton of money at him just because he plays a premium position. You got to bet on yourself a little bit, but that's what he's doing. And if it works out, He's going to look like a genius because it's going to give him flexibility down the road. And to your point, just converting the Mahomes contract, whether he can or can, and I've got to look this up too, uh, whether he can or can't, that's kicking the can down the road. That's kind of like a, you want it. It's a, in case of emergency, break glass situation, but they've been pretty careful about doing that. Just look at the Rams, man. Like, that's great. They won a Super Bowl. If, if, if Stafford's not right this year, they're so screwed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're just, you don't need to do that. Great. Be, you know, you, uh, uh, 
I'm a Cleveland fan. I'm from Northeast Ohio. Brian Windhorst, who covered uh, for ESPN, covered LeBron James for years and years and is now one of their national reporters. When the, when the Cavs finally won a championship, he was f- fond of saying winning a championship means never, never having to say you're sorry. And that's true. The, the folks in the Rams organization, they don't, they don't have to say that they're sorry for what they've done. They, they went, they mission was to win a Super Bowl. They won a Super Bowl. When they went and they got Matthew Stafford, they knew that, hey, we're not going to have Matthew Stafford for 15 years. The situation in Kansas City is different. And after winning that second Super Bowl, Brett Veach, Andy Reid, uh, and Patrick Mahomes, they are all in legacy building mode. This isn't a group of guys trying to get a championship. This is a group of guys going for the Hall of Fame. Andy's already in. Mahomes is already in. Um, Mah- you know, Mahomes wants to ca- wants to catch Brady. He might never say it, but of course he does. He's that kind of competitor. And Brett Veach, I mean, this is his job. He could go down as one of the better GMs of all time because he's got this once in a generation player. So. I, just mortgaging that to get a year or two of DeAndre Hopkins as talented as he is when you just won a Super Bowl without him, it just doesn't make sense. Throwing all your money at Orlando Brown Jr., even though I thought they should have signed him, uh, we'll see how it works out. Um, he doesn't think that it made sense, the number that he would have had to, to to spend. So I love it. I love the way that Brett Veach, the restraint that he's showing, It's it's he's just got to keep, he's got to keep making his draft picks work and making smart free agent signings, but the flexibility. So you can't do both. You can't make desperate moves and throw money around. Like it's not going to come back to bite you in the ass and mess up in the signings that you do. And that's how we see teams get into trouble is when they do both of those things. They, they, they don't draft well. And then they sign a bunch of expensive people and then they don't have any money and they can't do anything. And the last thing that anybody wants to happen is to have like a, a seven-year stretch of Patrick Mahomes' career where the team's just kind of shitty and they just really do anything about it. Um, at least it, he affords himself the opportunity to miss on some guys if he's got some financial flexibility. If he doesn't have financial flexibility, can't miss. So I think it's brilliant by Brett Veach. <sighs> Rant over. Let's dive into some of these receivers that are on the team. Okay. Um, so let's talk about Kadarius Tony. As of now, what the Chiefs are saying or putting out to the media is they believe Kadarius Tony can be a number one receiver. You certainly see the talent when he's out there running around. Crazy dynamic, fast, and jukes so hard sometimes he hurts himself, which he needs to he needs to chill out on that on that stop juke a little bit before he blows he, blow, he just completely blows out his knee. Injury concerns, bad fit in New York, all of those things. He comes to Kansas City, doesn't really light it up or anything, but has some really key important moments and helps them win a Super Bowl. What is your opinion on Tony? The injury stuff, I mean, it exists, but I guess let's just assume he's able to play football for a full season. Um, Do you believe he can? And if he does, do you think he can be the number one guy for this team? Well, I think I think with Tony, there's one thing that he has going for him in that he is an elite playmaker, like maybe not quite Tyreek Hill level. Like if Tyreek Hill is like the top level of playmaking wide receiver, I would only put Tony like one tier below him in terms of just like explosive elite playmaking upside. But to me, Tony comes with two question marks. One's the health where I said we're setting that aside. Right. But the other is. How much 
much can he get incorporated as a full-time player in the offense? Because yes, he flashed last year, but you go back and look at his snap count numbers. They were next to nothing. Now the plays he was in the game, he got a pretty good percentage of like, if you look at his um, like receptions per route run numbers, those look pretty good because he was just never on the field. And when he was, it was like, okay, we've got like a special the ball, whether it's a route that he's running or, or some sort of like screen or something like that. So that was very similar to when we first drafted Tyreek Hill, right? So when we first drafted Tyreek Hill, the speed was evident right away, but it took a little while for him to become like a full-time wide receiver. Tony hasn't shown he can do that yet either. And I don't, I feel like some people are kind of ignoring that part of it. Now you can say, well, it's because he got traded mid-year and he didn't know the offense. And that could be true, but he, but he's never been a full-time wide receiver like that. And you could say, well, it was because they were worried about injuries. Well, are they ever not going to be worried about injuries? Because if he's going to be the number one, he can't play 10 snaps a game. Like you can't be a number one right receiver. If you're literally only on the field for like 20% of the snaps, you've got to be, you know, I, it, I would be happy if he got over 50% of the, if he stayed healthy all year and played just over 50% of the snaps, it could be 51%. I think that's a win for the chiefs and production wise, he may end up as the number one receiver. It may not look like a traditional number one receiver does, but he's, He's got to prove that he can be a regular route receiver down in and down out before you can start talking about him as an actual number one wide receiver. He's got that talent, that explosive playmaking, but I just, I don't know where that balance is of protect him to keep him healthy, but have him on the field enough to make an impact. That's going to be an interesting balancing act to see how they, how they do that this year. Yeah, and the NFL's littered with stories of guys. I mean, how many guys have we seen who were just crazy athletic come through the NFL? And you could see it when they got the ball in their hands. Oh, man, home run threat, you know? But they never really developed into what Tyreek Hill developed into, which is I've taken this really incredible physical skill set that I have, and then I – I, I have a rapport with my quarterback. I refine my route running. I can create separation. I can get open. I can do these things. I mean, there's so many guys who were like, oh, so, you know, Ted Ginn was really athletic, um, really just ever was just going to be a return guy, right? That was it. Had a nice career, but like th- that is the thing with Tony is who's he going to be? Is he going to be one of those guys who just ends up being a deep threat and a, and a kick returner? Or so that he has occasionally he'll have a game where he catches a couple deep passes and he has like 120 yards receiving and then does nothing for four weeks. Or is he going to be that consistent guy? And that is what the Chiefs coaches are going to have to bring out of him that nobody's been able to yet, either because of injuries or because he just doesn't have it. And that should be exciting. That's an exciting guy to have. Can the Chiefs make it happen? They did it with Tyree Kill, and you're right. Remember when he was going into uh, what was his second season? Who was it? it? Was like a cornerback was calling him a gadget player. Um, I can't remember who it was, but it was a big thing because he called him a gadget player, and then Tyree Kill went off. Um, definitely not a gadget player. Is Tony going to be a gadget player for the Chiefs, or is he going to be the alpha? I think he's. Uh, there was a reason why he was taken where he was taken in the draft. I think he's got it. I'm really interested to see the first few weeks of the season after going through the whole program with the Chiefs, not just learning the playbook 
and really being integrated into everything, but also um, having a year with the chief's training staff who I know they did that, like that survey came out and they got poor grades anonymously from the players. But when you look at the results of the, the chief's health over the years, they've been very, you want there's certainly luck involved, but they've been very healthy. And that's at the end of the day, how a team like the Chiefs is going to win another Super Bowl is can Travis Kelsey stay on the field? Can Chris Jones stay on the field? Can your key contributor stay on the field? I mean, what they did with Patrick Mahomes last year in the playoffs is a miracle. There's probably some physical advantages that he has, but you have to tip your hat to the training staff as well. So hopefully they can get and not just get Kadarius Tony the kind of training that he needs to stay on the football field, but manage him properly. And if they can do that, I think he's got a shot to be the guy. Um, all right. We've hit Tony. Uh, let's talk about Sky Moore. Nice little season for him last year. Uh, some ups and downs. He had the 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 fumbling on the on the punt returns that was driving everybody crazy. They kept putting him back there. He ends up making a play for him in the AFC Championship game after I said never, never. I was the first time he fumbled, I think. I said, don't put him back there anymore. Maybe it was, maybe it was the second. I was like, all right, that's it. He's, he's just not ready. Don't put him back there. I still wouldn't feel great about him being back there despite the play he made in the Agreed. AFC Championship game. Um, but I mean, how do you feel about Sky Moore? How did you feel about him when the Chiefs drafted him? And do you think he can make the leap this year? And what do you think is his ceiling? So I, it's kind of a good news, bad news on when you look at how I felt about him coming out of the draft and how I feel about him now, because it's really a lot of the, the same feelings. Watched his college tape. I saw a guy that I really liked his ability to um, create separation in his route running. I liked his running after the catch. And I liked he's got good size hands, even though he's kind of a shorter guy, his ability to like really go up and snag the ball. It's a pet peeve of mine when those guys, especially if they're running underneath routes are letting the ball always get into their body. And, and I really like that. And he showed that in his limited plane. Um, last year, it, it looked like that all transitioned into the NFL with him, which is really promising. The downside on him coming in, it was, he was still pretty raw. He didn't come into college as a wide receiver. I want to say he was a quarterback. Maybe it was a running back. I can't remember. But he wasn't a wide receiver, and they converted him to wide receiver in college. And so he was just still kind of raw in terms of how his route running and some things. His separation looked good, but but didn't always look like he knew the full route tree. And so the good news is what was good on his college tape looks like it transitioned to the NFL. What I would say is maybe not where he's still a question mark is he still looked pretty raw last year. It didn't look like he gained the full trust of Reed and Mahomes in terms of being able to be out there. I mean, even in that uh, AFC championship game when they were so decimated, it wasn't like, okay, Sky, now's your chance to catch a bunch of passes. Um, and even not to like slander the guy's like greatest moment of his career so far, even his touchdown in the Super Bowl, he lined up on the wrong side, right? Like they were right. after the game, yeah. there were those clips where they were talking about like, oh, he wasn't even on the right side of the formation. And so to me, the question with Sky is not ability. I think he's shown in the flashes as a rookie, he's got the skills needed to be what they want him to be. Um, the question is, 
Has he put in the work knowing the playbook? Will he show during the offseason this year that Mahomes can trust he's in the right spot and he can rely on it? Because if he does that, if the mental part of it is there for him, I think this is going to sound cheesy, but skies is the limit for sky (laughs) Um, because I think, I think the ability is there, but we've seen, you were just talking about with Tony, we've seen guys with ability that never make the most of it. And there's just, there's no guarantee that he will come in there. I mean, if, if Patrick Mahomes trusts, Justin Watson more than Sky Moore. Justin Watson's going to play, even though Justin Watson isn't near as good ceiling talent wise as Sky Moore is. I think that it just comes down to that. I think, I think you've seen that in Reed's offense a lot. I think he likes to go out and sign veterans because if the young guys don't know what they're doing, he's just not going to put them out there very much. So to me, that is what. You know, if they say, oh, and I think somebody even said something that looks like Sky Moore came into camp in great shape. That's great. That wasn't really the problem last year, I don't think. I think did he come into camp going, line me up in the slot outside. I know what routes I'm supposed to run. I know how deep that route's supposed to go. I know exactly where in the route that ball is supposed to hit my hand. So I'm in the right place at the right time. I mean, let's, even though I think we'll miss McCall Hardman's explosiveness and some of his playmaking, it was so clear. He never got that. Like he never got to the point where Mahomes went, Oh, Hardman's going to be exactly where I want him to be at the right time. And I could just put the ball and he'll be there. You could see the frustration with Mahomes at times. He was constantly going, what yep. are you doing? Why you got to go this way? And so to me, the question is, that was a really long way to say sky Moore's just got to show he's going to be in the right place at the right time. And I think he could be really good this year. Yeah. I was going to bring up exactly what you did, which is the McCall Hartman example of somebody who had a lot of talent and look, I think had a fine career for the chiefs. Maybe not what, I always thought he got a little bit of an unfair shake because there was all that stuff going on with Tyree Kill when they drafted Hardman. And so it was sort of like, I think a lot of Chiefs fans were like, oh, he's a potential Tyree Kill. That's why they took him. And like that just sort of was a little bit unfair from the jump. I think, you know, could he have done a little bit better for the Chiefs? Yeah. Could he have been more consistent? Yeah. But if you look at his numbers and some of the things he did, Pretty pretty good career um, for 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 McCole Hardman. Sky Moore actually the the Chiefs wide receiver uh, coach was asked about him this week and he said um, Sky's been great. Uh, Sky, you know, we put a lot on him last year. Usually when we get a receiver, we try to keep them at one position. It's easier to learn that way. But we threw a lot at him last year. He played every position, all three of them X, Zebra, and Z. He's been great. He came back in great shape. He looks stronger and a little bigger. He's got that year under his belt. He's not uh, hes not that little puppy dog anymore. He understands what's going on, understands the tempo we practice at, and just how to be a pro. He's been great. And, I mean, what a great rookie season to have to come in and go through all the things that the Chiefs rookies went through last year. Coming in, a lot of change. Offense is a little bit different. Go through that whole season, play in big games, lose them. You know, Cincinnati, Buffalo, go into the playoffs, have your quarterback hobble, deal with injuries, beat the second best team in the AFC, go to the Super Bowl and beat the second best team in the NFL. I, you know, talk about a crash course. 
Um, some guys never get that much experience in a season. So I'm, that's what I'm excited about with these rookies. And I just hope that they keep the, keep the drive, you know, that they don't just rest on their laurels that they want a Super Bowl. I'm excited about Sky Moore. I think you're right. It's about trust with Mahomes. And if he can slide into that McCole Hardman role and start putting up those kinds of numbers and Tony can put up similar numbers to Juju, you're in really great shape. But that brings us to a guy I feel like I forget about a lot when we're talking about the Chiefs wide receivers, and that's MVS. And maybe it's because of the way that he sort of surfaces and then, you know, doesn't and just disappears for stretches. What's your what's your opinion on MVS? Do you think we can expect I was very clever with my wording on this in the outline? Can we expect more or more of the same from MVS this season? I think more of the same, which honestly this year, I don't know if that's a bad thing. Um, there's a lot of guys you don't know what you're going to get for sure from the Chiefs wide receivers this year. And I think just the fact we kind of can slot him in for somewhere around 600, 600, maybe 700 yards, some scores. He's going to stretch the field. He's going to make them have to defend deep to help open things up underneath. Um, now he did show. So here, here's the thing with MVS, I guess I would say. If MVS has a huge season, I think that's probably a bad sign because I think it means Tony and the young guy, other young guys didn't step up to produce like we hope they did. So they had to kind of do the AFC championship game thing all season long. Um, I think if things go as planned, MVS plays his same role he has. He fills that role fine. He's not a star. He's not a liability. He's just a piece of the wide receiver puzzle. And, and I think the Chiefs are good with that if, if, they, if they get what they need from the rest of the pieces of that puzzle. Yeah, I mean, he's a little Jekyll and Hyde, right? Just look at the, at the playoffs versus Jacksonville. Targeted twice, six yards receiving, although he did catch a touchdown. Then he goes in against Cincinnati. Everybody's hurt. Eight targets, 116 yards, averaged 19.3 yards per reception, and a touchdown. And then the Super Bowl targeted once, no catches. And a game that the Chiefs scored 38 points. I, that part, I get part of that's the offense. It, it's it, you shouldn't blame that all on MVS. Part of that's the way that the offense works. Some days you're going to have your day, and some days you're not. But this is kind of who he's been, even going back to Green Bay when he's playing with Aaron Rodgers. I think that's fine. I've, I've always been a little bit surprised he doesn't catch more touchdowns being 6'4", that he's not used as, as more of a red zone threat. But maybe that will come. He had one year in Green Bay where he caught six touchdowns, but usually it's just a couple a year. It just It is who he is. You know, he gets targeted about three times a game in Kansas City, and, you know, you're going to get maybe 60 to 80 yards, and sometimes he's going to have 12 yards, and that just seems to be the way it is. So someone is going to have to fill that vacuum left by – Juju Smith-Schuster, I don't think, and I agree with you, I don't think it will be MVS um, because that's just not who he's been. So it would be weird and it might indicate that people are hurt or that it's a disaster of a, of a season offensively for the, for the receivers. Um, so let's talk about the Justin Ross hype train. We finally arrived. The Justin Ross hype train has pulled into the station. I mean, I've been hearing about this guy all even last year during the season, man, when we get Justin Ross back, you know, it's just, I mean, what's your take? This guy, so for you, those of you who don't know, um, Justin Ross played at Clemson. He had like a really good, it was like a really good season when he was a 
a freshman, I think it was freshman or freshman or, and sophomore. And I think sophomore both his freshman and sophomore years were good. And, and then he kind of, and then he got hurt, right? And then he came back, and he was the, and then he 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 goes to the draft, and nobody takes him because of medical concerns. And then the Chiefs sign him, and it's like, okay, what well, classic Brett Veach move, lottery ticket, right? Let's just see what happens. And then he gets into Kansas City, and you hear a few things from camp, and everybody gets jacked up, and then his foot's messed up, and he misses the whole season. I mean, what's your what's your, why do you think there's such a hype train around this guy, and do you think it will ever actually take off? Um, well, let me say, th- this isn't new. We always find that guy that that – we love, I mean, I'm old enough to, do you remember Bobby Scipio? Like there was a Bobby Scipio <laughs> train at one oh, yeah. point. Um, so we love to do this. We love to take kind of the unknown and be like, but this could be the greatest thing in the world kind of thing. Um, I think the difference, well, okay. First, let me say, if you, when we go to predict who's going to make the, the Chiefs wide receiver room, I don't think it's a safe bet to predict Ross will. I think if you're a betting person, the smart bet is he doesn't make the team. Like I just not to be party pooper guy or, or whatever, but I think that's the, I think that's the most likely scenario. And the thing that's different than the Bobby Scipio's is there is elite upside in his profile. Like Bobby Scipio was not setting the SEC on fire at any point, whereas whereas Justin Ross legit looked like he was on track to be a first round wide receiver. And then um, I don't know if you know the whole story. He was diagnosed with like a spinal condition that was like a birth situation that they discovered and initially they told him you should never play football again then he finally found somebody that would perform a surgery on it that other doctors said no we're not even going to do that kind of thing and so it, it just the fact that he made it this far is farther than a lot of people thought he would go so do i think he'll make the team i think the smart money is no is there a an actual possibility that he could make it and be a good player and actually live up to the hype. Unlike some of our training camp darlings, I do at least think that's in the range of outcomes, even if it's a small percentage, even if it's like, okay, probably 80% he doesn't make the team. Uh, And of that 20% that he does, maybe only 5% of that is that he's actually lives up to the hype. I do at least think he has the upside in his if he could get back to what he was on track for before the medical stuff hit him, it's at least there. So it's fun to dream about. It's fun to go, well, there's a chance, you know, we've got this lottery ticket and it's probably not going to hit, but man, how cool would it be if it does hit? So I think we just, I think we just have to wait and see. The chiefs are certainly fanning the fire with all the stuff they're putting out. That could be because they actually think he's going to be good, or it could just be like, we need, dead zone like social media clicks and we know justin ross will get it so we'll put it out there and we get engagement numbers where we like them so uh, we'll see we'll see will i be shocked if he makes the team no because again his upside is there it's really just a matter of has his body really been able to finally regain where he was before all the medical stuff hit him yeah uh i've worked in online sports media for over 13 years now, I know all about 
leaning into what people want to talk about. And that's, you know, the chiefs, the, the chiefs are doing that, but it is a little telling that Patrick Mahomes retweeted the the long ball of him to Ross. Just, you know, he might just be having fun. He's always on, I'm sure he's always on Twitter like the rest of us idiots, but um, yeah. So the, the, the book on Ross. Um, so he's at Clemson 2018 to 2021. He had that big national championship game over Alabama. Catch it. He caught uh, six passes for 150 yards, uh, and they beat Alabama. So that really, like, much like the the, the there was the the one game that um, uh, Ohio State's Jackson Smith and Jigba had that was that was crazy, and and then he got injured, and then so so Ross is a freshman had exactly a thousand yards, um, and then 850 65 as a sophomore nine touchdowns and eight touchdowns freshman and sophomore year respectively. Then he, he has the neck issue gets hurt, comes back in 2021, 524 yards, three touchdowns doesn't get drafted. And then has the foot thing. So I think you're right. It's a really cool story. I mean, I hope to hell he works out because the, the talent was evidently there at some point. I just don't want this to turn into like another Josh Gordon situation where everyone's like, Oh, put him in. And you know, it's just like, it, it's, it's never works out, but the chiefs did hang on to him. And I think they're smart to, to see what they've got. You know, the, the injury thing, that's how they got Trey Smith where they got Trey Smith was because people were, he had a medical thing. People weren't sure if he was gonna be able to play. And, and even the chiefs didn't draft him highly. But it's worked out for them so far. That's great. So sometimes these risks can be worth it for the upside. And I think the Chiefs appropriately took Trey Smith in the fifth round, where if it didn't work out, it wasn't the end of the world. And they get Justin Ross for nothing off the street. And he comes in and he's got all the opportunity in the world to sneak in as a guy who's going to make the roster for the Chiefs. And that would be fantastic news for Kansas city and for Justin Ross. So let's, I'm, I, I might roll my eyes at the hype train just because it, I've, I've, I've seen the Bobby Scipio's come and go. Um, but uh, I'm pulling for him just, just like everybody else in the chiefs kingdom, because I want the chiefs to have the best players. And it seems like he's got some talent. Okay. Let's get to the other, let's get to the rookie that the chiefs drafted Rasheed Rice. Did you like the pick? And I how did. do you think it worked out for him? I did. I I was a little surprised they traded up for him. To me, he was a guy that was like, man, back of the second round, be a really great third round pick. So he was on my list of guys for the Chiefs to kind of target in that range. Um, I was a little surprised with some of the other names on the board that they traded up for him, but I like him as a player. And I like the fact that um, in a draft of tiny wide receivers, they got a guy that's actually got some si- enough size to him and can play on the perimeter if needed or or be big enough to handle a load underneath doing some of the things that Juju did last year and not worry that he's going to get absolutely leveled because he's 170 pounds like a lot of the wide receivers in this draft class were. Um, I do think he's a little raw. Um, I don't know that you should expect him to be like a day one starting receiver but if he if he can do even like maybe a little bit more than what um sky Moore did last year i think that's a win i mean if he finished the year with 400 yards receiving i think that's like a huge win and a great sign for his future um i like his i like his run after the catch i like his his physical ability to go up and get the ball um it'll just be interesting to see because 
the role they Brett Veach talked about, like they think he fits the juju role pretty well, but that's a role where it, we were talking earlier about how Sky Moore has to earn Mahomes trust. That's not a role you see a rookie play in an Andy Reid offense. Like, Hey, you're going to be the inner short to intermediate reliable route runner, find the hole in the zone guy. Like those are typically your savvy veteran guys, Hopkins. Um, but if he can do that some as a rookie, I think that's then sky's the limit for where he could be three years from now. Like he really could be just like a star in this offense. If, if he already as a rookie can show that, that potential, but I don't think people should freak out if he doesn't just blow the roof off right out of the gate. Cause like I said, the role they're talking about him having is one where you got to know the offense. You got to know, where in the zone to sit down and, and so that Mahomes can hit you in that window. And, and so if, if, if he can do that as a rookie, wow, awesome. But if he doesn't don't panic, it doesn't mean he's a bust. It just may take him a little while to get the replay book down and earn Mahomes trust so that he can take over that role. Yeah. I think don't be surprised if, if Rice has a season similar to what Sky Moore had last year, where he's like a sometimes contributor. They're trying to get him up to speed, but He's he's a rookie, um, which which brings us to figuring this whole thing out. Um, well, let me ask you about John Ross first, because he's a guy that has some name recognition, but he's probably a back end guy. I mean, he's fourth on the depth depth chart right now that she's put out. Do you expect anything from John Ross? I don't. I'm a skeptic. Um, I think his best chance would be if he could show, hey, I can be the answer to your punt return woes um, so that you don't have to play Tony there and you don't have to make Sky Moore do something he's not super comfortable with. Then maybe he could sneak on that way. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he comes out and it's like, look, I can I can be McCole Hardman. I can be that guy that maybe isn't the most reliable route runner, but I've got great straight line speed. So just plug me into where you plugged Hardman in like there's a there's a scenario I can see where that would work but when you when you look at how deep the options are even though they're mostly unproven I just have a hard time seeing him getting one of those one of those final spots but we'll see yeah I mean he could try to make it the 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 Watson route like last year where he kind of surprises everybody and Pat likes him and stuff. But for those who don't know John Ross, he was drafted ninth overall in 2017 by the Bengals. Just never, never took off. They gave it a go with him. You know, didn't play a lot. Best season of his career was in 2019. He had 506 yards receiving and three touchdowns. Uh, Just didn't work out. Spent a year and with the Giants didn't play football last year. It's just, it's probably a camp body. I don't see anything coming out of that it's again it's it's brett veach you know going into the 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 dollar store and finding the blu-ray bargain bin and like you know digging out back to the future or something like oh it's only a dollar blu-ray i don't have this in my collection that's that's pretty much he's looking for he's looking for a a hidden gem there probably not gonna find it so let's sort this out okay so last year the chiefs kept five wide receivers as they as they went into the season. And by the way, somebody pointed this out. I got the the, the draft round for Trey Smith wrong was sixth round pick. So even better value. Um, so if the Chiefs are going to keep five receivers, 
I wanted to, with you, figure out who we think that they'll, who's going to make the team based on the receivers that are on the roster now. So no DeAndre Hawkins. And when I look at this, I'm, I'm thinking there's two spots up for grabs because actually maybe there's only one. Yeah, because you've got Kadarius Tony. He's going to make the team. Sky Moore is going to make the team. Um, Rasheed Rice is going to make the team. And MVS is going to make the team. So that's four. So that leaves, we didn't even talk about Richie James, who came over from, who's in, actually kind of intriguing. Um, he showed some flashes in New York, but, but never really took off. Richie James, uh, Justin Watson, Justin Ross fighting for probably that last spot. I don't know if there are there any Cornell Powell stands out there who are still <laughs> pulling for Cornell Powell. Uh, he's hung around. Now, some of these guys, they can end up on the practice squad, but like, how do you think it? How do you think it, sh- it shakes out? Who gets that last spot? Well, first, I I would argue I would be shocked if they didn't. And maybe this changes if they signed a proven guy like Hopkins. I would be shocked if they didn't start the season with six this year. The combination of not having a fullback and the uncertainty at the position, I would guess they go six. But if you make me pick five, it's not a fun answer, but I think Justin Watson's getting that fifth spot. He's a special teams guy. He's going to play all the special teams things. He knows it. I, I I like the signing of Richie James, and I think maybe he gets the sixth spot if they if they do six and Justin Ross doesn't hit. Um, I think there's a world, though, there where they keep six and and Richie James still doesn't make the team. Um, and again, I don't, it's not that I dislike Richie James and, and people will point to his production with New York last year, New York didn't have any healthy wide receivers. Like they, he was kind of like their eighth option and he just stayed healthy. So he racked up 500 yards. It wasn't like they went into the season going, this guy is going to be an important part of our offense. They just ran out of options. So he's a good insurance policy. If somebody is hurt or if maybe he does, maybe he surprises. Um, but I, I think if you made me go five, I'd do the four that you say are locks and I'd go Justin Watson because I think Dave Tobe has a guy that he gets to pick out of that wide receiver room um, and say, I need that guy. And I think I think that's probably Justin Watson there. So I'm guessing they keep six, but I, I think if it's just five, you you gotta, even though it's not a sexy pick, you gotta you gotta make Watson the favorite for that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I could see them going going with six. Uh, I forgot about the the lack of a fullback on the roster. It would make sense, I think, if they don't go and get a. What if they do too? If they get a guy like Hopkins, um, you're it's just not a lot of space there. You know, those four guys are locks: MVS, uh, KT, Skymore, or C Rice. And I'm I'm kind of with you. I, I think Justin Watson made some plays for them last year. They liked him uh, is that last guy. Um, and then that might open the door for a guy like Justin Ross. If he's healthy to sneak in, if they like the athleticism that they're seeing from him, then they might get him on the roster because they might, if word gets out that he's healthy and the chiefs just don't have the depth for him, they may not they may not be able to stash him on the practice squad. And I doubt he is going to want to go back on IR, as sometimes happens with guys, right? Um, so if, if he's not really injured. So I, I yeah, I don't see a lot of flexibility here. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Justin Watson as number five. And I think if they do keep six, 
I'll give it to Justin Ross. Based on what I know right now, I, I'd, I'd take him over any of these other guys that are that are on the roster. One thing that'll be interesting to watch, it sounds weird for, for Justin Ross to make the active roster, is watch and see if Rasheed Rice is playing on the special teams units. Because I think they probably are going to want two wide receivers to be a regular part of special teams units. And, and, and again, if Watson makes the roster, that's one of them. Sky Moore didn't play a lot on coverage units and stuff like that. He returned punts, but I think they may want another receiver that can do that. And so if you see Rasheed Rice has the build for it, then that would open up because I don't think they're going to want Justin Ross making tackles on special teams. But if yeah. Rice shows that he can do that, even as a second round draft pick, then I think you could use a six spot on Justin Ross and not have him help on special teams and be okay. We got a couple of people from the chat. Uh, our guy Ronald says, my guess, MVS, Tony, Sky, Rice, Watson, James. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it could go that way. It could go that way if James impresses them. Uh, they have him right now as the fifth guy on the depth chart. Uh, so take that for what it's worth. It doesn't really mean anything this time of year. It's more like a veteran respect kind of thing, but that's where it is. Um, and let us know in the chat. What do you think? Five or six, and who are they going to be? Um, all right. I wanted to ask you quickly before we get to the incredible TV rankings, are your thoughts on the draft? Because before I do, I just got to let you guys know, if you want to get swagged out, we got you covered. The Arrowhead Attic merch store is now live and you can visit it right now by clicking the link in the description below. We've got everything from shirts, hoodies, beach towels, even a sweet pint glass to drink your beverage of choice. Um, but hey, that's not all. We've got a promo code for this week's listeners only. You got to use the code PM15 to get 15% off your order today and make sure to use it fast because this will expire Sunday. Uh, so rep the podcast, save a little bit of money while you're at it. We truly appreciate it. Some really great that there's a black arrowhead addict hoodie in there that is really sweet highly recommend i will be getting one for when it gets cold again okay so the draft class you're a big draft guy we had you on before the draft i promised to get you back on after the draft but i went to cancun so we made it happen i want to know your favorite pick your least favorite pick and 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 your most underrated pick from the class um okay um it's I'll, let me start overall. I, the draft class as a whole, I was like, yeah, that's fine. Like, I, it didn't blow me away. Like, last year's was just seemed like it was one pick after another. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And this year, I'm just like, oh, okay, that's solid. Oh, yeah, that's, that guy's solid. I, was, I just felt good about almost every pick, but was never like, yeah. Um, I think the one that I felt like was my favorite, like, I don't know if this is sad or what, but Keandre Coburn in the sixth round, I was like, man, I would have been fine with him in the fourth round. Like, I felt like he filled a need. They needed another run stopping bigger body for the interior. I really liked his potential. Um, he may need a little time to, to keep developing his anchor and his strength before they make him like an every down. But I think that guy's got like that guy could be the long-term replacement for Derek Noddy and to get him in the sixth round. I, I was really like, I know that makes me a total draft nerd when a run stopping <laughs> defensive tackle in the sixth round was the pick you were most excited about. But right. in terms of guys that I really liked and going, yeah, that's great value for where they took him. The rest of the guys, I was like, oh yeah, that's solid. But you know, it, at that spot, yeah, all right, that's fine kind of thing. But I wasn't, I wasn't going crazy. Um, my least favorite, I don't know. I, 
Chamari Connor was a guy I just didn't really know. I, I, I admittedly didn't watch a lot of um, defensive backs this year because they were, they're so stacked at defensive back. So I was a little bit with some of the other guys on the table when that pick was announced, I was a little disappointed. Now, I will put a giant asterisk on there that says the Chiefs have nailed drafting defensive backs so well that I'm just assuming he's going to hit, even though I was like, wait, who? Um, yeah. When they first took him and and looking at some of the guys that I felt like were on the table that were maybe a bigger position of need made me kind of go like, oh, man, I don't love that. But at the end of the day, Brett Veach has won me over on, oh, there's a – long defensive back that you want to take in the fourth round. Okay. He'll probably, he'll probably just turn out to be like the next luxurious Sneed or something like that. So I'm, I'm not angry about it, but that at the time was the pick. I was most like, Oh, what kind of yeah. thing on yeah. there. And then the underrated one, I'm going to, it's a little bit of a cheat. I'm going to go BJ Thompson. Not so much because I am convinced BJ Thompson is going to be fantastic but I think it's underrated because of the type of player he is. You know, we all know that Spags just loves big defensive ends that can set the edge. And it's almost like rushing the passer is like not the top prerequisite. And this guy's a pure speed outside rusher. And so if that signals that they're open to start maybe using those type of guys, that could be one of the more underrated things that happened in this draft, just in terms of a shift in philosophy. So hmm. I, we'll see if BJ Thompson turns out, but the style of player he was is a departure from what they've done on the edge so far. And there've been times where I felt like they needed a true speed outside rusher to bring in on some big third downs because, you know, it, Frank Clark made some good plays here and there, but there were just too many times where he just couldn't blow by a guy on the edge and on a big third passing down. It's good to have, especially when you've got somebody in the interior like Chris Jones that can keep you from stepping up in the pocket. If you can have that speed on the outside, if that quarterback's backing away from Chris Jones, you need that speed off the edge. So that was a pick I was excited about because of the type of player he was. Yeah. And, uh, Frank wasn't at the point in his career where he's going to be running anybody down. And with all these mobile quarterbacks that the Chiefs have to go up against, obviously if they see the Eagles in the Super Bowl, they'll play them this year. Jalen Hurts, Lamar's back. They could run into him at some point. Josh Allen's a problem. Joe Burrow can move, right? Kind of, you know, a little bit like Mahomes is smart about it. He doesn't run as much as Mahomes, but um, I agree. I think that's a good one. For me, and we had him on the show a couple weeks ago, uh, Wanya Morris is my underrated one. I think that could be the one if they hit on it and they coach him up well, boy, if he if he comes in and is their left tackle next year, like if he could if he could move and, and become their starting left tackle f- from a third round pick, that would be a huge win long term for this team. A huge, huge win. And everything I've read about him says that he has all of the tools to be that if he can just get a little bit more consistent in his play. And when I had him on the show and asked him, what's the, what's, what do you need to work on? Like, what do you, you know, you're coming to the NFL now. And he was like, I just want to be consistent. Also, by the way, just the nicest kid. One of the nicest kids I've ever interviewed on the show. Really, really rooting for him. He, he actually came, he was on the show. He's in the locker room, which was the first time we've ever had somebody in the locker room on the podcast. It was really cool. So I'm hoping he ends up being the underrated one where we go into this season and he's not really playing a ton, 
and is kind of their swing tackle. And then next year they're like, yeah, this, this, this guy's ready and he's the guy. Yeah, I really like that pick, too. He was probably would have been, after Coburn, the guy I was most excited about when the pick was actually announced. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think that was a good one. And they've done a, they've done a really good job of, of drafting offensive linemen, uh, by and large. So if they hit on this and a well-respected offensive line coach, that could be a huge, huge win. That, that could be the pick we look back at this draft class and we're like, oh man, they got somebody in the third round. And, and that's how you keep winning and, and, and surrounding Mahomes with great players is by finding those kinds of guys. All right. Awesome talking Chiefs with you. It is the, it is the off season here. And is if you've listened to this podcast, and by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button for us. If you watch this podcast or listen to this podcast for the years that we've been doing it, we often talk about food. We like to rank food. I'm talking Girl Scout cookies, cereals, big cereal podcast. By the way, I saw we were at Walmart this weekend and we saw they've got Cinnamon Toast Crunch, like Cinnabon, not like the brand Cinnabon, but like Cinnamon Bun cereal. I didn't buy it. I'm a little disappointed in myself, uh, but I'm going to circle back. If anybody's had that, let me know because I'm really intrigued. Anything under the CT and there's so much under the CT crunch umbrella. I'm starting to get worried that it's like, it's becoming one like, so like I'm a big horror guy. Right. And like they started slapping Wes Craven's name on stuff that like, he didn't really have anything to do with like Wes Craven presents like licensing him out. And that's what I'm worried is starting to happen with, with CT crunch. They're just like watering down the brand to try to like trade off of its famous name. And anyway, my worries aside, we're not talking food today. We're actually going to talk about one of my other favorite things uh, for, for our Patty's Power Ranking segment, which is television shows. Big TV guy. I got all the streams. Um, and so I thought it'd be fun for us to rank our top five TV shows of all time. So uh, I'm going to let you go first. You're the guest. Uh, lay it on me. What are, your, what are your top five? Go from five to one. What do you think all is right. the best TV show ever? And I do not think I, there's probably going to be some people that hate my list. I tried to put some variety on here. I've got one curveball coming for you here in a little bit, but I'm going to start with number five. I'm going to go Survivor. And there okay. is a lot of bad reality TV out there, but I will argue that Survivor is by far the best reality television show ever. I love the strategy. I like the physical challenges. I just like the the survivalist nature of it. I just, that's that I've always been a fan of that show, watched it when I was younger and have been watching it for years. It's like the OG in my opinion. Yeah. Then number four, another one I loved that's been a while now is I was a huge lost fan. I don't know if mm. you watched lost, but lost. I loved that show. I'm kind of a sci-fi guy. So, uh, so lost would be on there for me. I know a lot of people didn't like how that one ended, but I loved it. I loved lost. That was one of my, one of my favorites. I had to put at least one sitcom on there and I, I'm, I'm a Seinfeld guy. It almost made the list, but I had to go modern family. Phil Dumphy is like my favorite sitcom character of all time. Love that. Love that show. Love that character. Uh, so that's my number three. And then number two is my curveball. Okay. I'm going the old school sports reporter show that was on Sunday mornings with Dick Shap as the host. Okay. And he used to have the guys like Mitch Album and Mike Lupica and Tony Kornheiser. This was pre part in the interruption days. 
Um, So I don't know if anybody's old enough to have watched that, but I remember Sunday mornings. I love that. And this was before all the, you know, the back and forth hot take shows. It was just generally like your only real sports TV was just regular ESPN sports center. And so just getting to watch guys just sit around and just kind of talk about sports in a non hot take way, like they do now. It was just cool. I loved that as a, as a kid and as a teenager, I used to always make sure I watched that on Sunday mornings. And then my number one is justified. I love Mm -hmm. that show. I don't know if you know that show, love um timothy oliphant is raylan givens if you've ever watched it it's fantastic it's got some of the best supporting characters um love that show one of one of my all-time favorites and they're coming out i'm a little nervous because i really liked how they did the final season um but and now they're coming out with like a little eight-part mini series this summer so i'm excited that they're bringing it back but i'm a little nervous because i thought it had a perfect ending on there so if you've never seen Justified, that's my number one. Go out and watch Justified. All right, Justified. I've seen I've seen a lot about Justified. I've never checked it out. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Modern Family, and we had a couple. Uh, I've I've always been a big Ed O'Neill guy. I loved Married with Children when I was when I was growing up. Uh, our guy Angry Drunken German said Cheers number one, Lost, Fringe, Married with Children, Star Trek, Next Generation. Um, have you ever heard the story about how Ed O'Neill got the role of Al Bundy? Like the moment that he like got the role. No, uh, this is a good story. Uh, and, and being an actor guy, um, I just, I probably heard this in an acting class. So Ed O'Neill, like he's read the script, he's going into, and you know, like every episode of married with children, a lot of them started with, with, with Al coming home from work. And so whatever scene he was reading for at like the callbacks, he's supposed to says Al comes in, you know, from work and they're sitting there and Ed O'Neill is not in the script. He walks, he like, he walks to open the imaginary door in the rehearsal room and he stops and he kind of just puts his head down and goes like size. If for, for those of you who are listening, like puts his head down and like prepares himself to go home into the house where his family is and then opens the door and comes in and they were like, that's it. That's Al Bundy. Like that guy knows who he is. And that little bit of what we call in, in acting a little bit of business, um, it got him the role, which I just thought he's so, he's so brilliant. Um, and I think he's just such a, a great comedic actor. Love that story. If any of you are actors out there, don't be afraid to, put a little something extra on your audition as Ed O'Neill. So uh, well demonstrated there. Um, okay. So look, I'm going to caveat this with some honorable mentions and I'm not a huge, I like, I love comedies. Um, but when I think about TV shows that I think are the best ever for me, I, I just tend to like dramas and action a little bit more when I think like, think of the way that it impacts me. Whereas I feel like comedy, I enjoy it very much. Some of the ones I have in here, but I, I just don't think of it when I think of like the just, there are some dramas on my list that have just knocked me for a loop with just brilliant writing and acting and comedy is kind of its own thing. So I actually don't have any like comedies on my list, but my honorable mentions are The Office, which I think does uh, a tremendous job. It's hilarious, obviously, but does a tremendous job of, making you relate to the characters. They found a sweetness 
in the characters on the office that you don't see sometimes in a lot of comedies. And what I, one thing I do really appreciate about comedy and one of my favorite genres is black comedy, like black comic films in Bruges. One of my favorite movies ever is that when something humor has a way of humanizing characters in, in a really tremendous way. And so that when something serious does happen to them, it hits different. And I think that that's why guys like Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler have been, have been able to easily transition into playing dramatic roles because they understand something really deeply about the human condition. Um, so I love the office Seinfeld, just absolutely hilarious, classic show. Love it. And in my other two honorable mentions on here, not comedies, I'm going to go with the leftovers, which was it was it a difficult show to watch, but I just thought it was one of the most beautiful shows I've ever seen on HBO. Just absolutely beautiful, beautiful performances. Carrie Coon in particular, particular Chicago actress, fantastic, um, heartbreaking show. If you if you want to like, you know, go down the pain rabbit hole and like experience people's trauma and pain and in in a in a you know, in that kind of way and watch artists do that. That's a fantastic show, incredible music. And then my other honorable mention boardwalk empire, Steve Buscemi, absolute genius. Uh, some, some up and down seasons, but the, 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 the season with Bobby Cannavale is the bad guy is like one of my favorite all time seasons of television ever. So love boardwalk empire. Okay. Let's get into the actual rankings. Number five, Deadwood. Did you ever watch Deadwood on HBO? I have that would be in one of my honorable mentions. Yeah. Just Ian McShane. So fucking brilliant. So brilliant. Everybody in that show is fantastic. The writing is incredible. It's like, uh, it's like old English. It's like, it's like watching Shakespeare, but like with lots of swearing, it's, it's absolutely incredible. That had a, the scene in, in Deadwood. And the only reason Deadwood isn't higher for me is because HBO canceled it and it didn't get a real proper ending. And then they circled back and they did the movie, which was fine. But for me, just not, it, it wasn't sticking the landing. It gave closure, but it wasn't the ending that I wanted to see. That's what kept that show from being great for me. But there's a scene in that show when uh, Al's henchman, Dan fights Captain Turner. And it is one of the most incredible like fights in television history. And I was so nervous and I did not know what was going to happen. I was shaking when it was over. And when, like when the credits rolled, I literally got up, walked over to my bar and poured myself a whiskey, a big whiskey. And my hand was shaking. I was like, Holy shit. That was incredible. Unforgettable. Uh, that scene in Deadwood. All right. Number four, newer show just ended. I'm going with succession. I just thought incredible characters on succession very funny, really dramatic, great music, really interesting writing, very restrained writing, uh, which is a lot of people just aren't able to do on TV. So I loved it. I thought they stuck the landing. Love Succession. So that's number four for me. Number three, Mad Men, one of the shows that kind of helped, you know, in the early streaming, ushered in the, the sort of prestige TV era. Absolutely loved Mad Men. Terrific interesting show all the way through uh number two i hear a lot of people say and i loved better call saul i hear a lot of people say better call saul is better than breaking bad to those people i say you're fucking crazy better call saul is terrific it's a great character study 
I love it, uh, especially in the later seasons, but it is not better than Breaking Bad. It just isn't. Um, but love Breaking Bad, uh, one of my all-time favorite shows. Amazing, just a career-defining performance from Brian Cranston and uh, great writing. Um, just moments in that show that just left me staggered. And then number one, it's The Wire. Um, now, I, I want to I caveat for the Sopranos people out there. I've only watched the first season of The Sopranos when I had COVID a, a couple years ago. I'm going to watch the rest of it. Based on the first season, which I liked, I wouldn't put it in my top five, but I, I haven't gone on the full journey yet. So um, The Wire, man, I, I just... Every season of The Wire is a masterpiece, in my opinion. Even the second season, which I know a lot of people don't like, I think is it, it makes it is if you think of it as a five chapter like book or show or whatever, it really makes it all fit together. Um, did you did you watch The Wire, Lyle? I have seen the first two seasons of The Wire, and I I've always like I keep telling myself I'm going to go back and finish it. Um, I am one of those that I respect what and and I know that you you. Are supposed, I'll appreciate it more if I finish the whole show. Yeah. I am one of those people that can appreciate a show, but don't always love it. Like Breaking Bad is phenomenal. Like the writing, the acting, it's phenomenal. And I don't know, maybe it's, I'm just like too worn down sometimes as a teacher at the end of the day. I just, I, I sometimes those stressful shows are just, that's why for me, Justified was perfect. I, I, I gotcha. Um, yeah, man, I, I understand there's so much good stuff out there that it's, it's tough to watch everything and then to get them in your rankings and it gets really competitive and has gotten more competitive as time has gone on for me, the wire just, ah, there were so many episodes, you know, like you see a really good episode of a show and the credits hit and it's like, it's like one of those special episodes and you just kind of sit there and you're watching the credits and you don't move and you don't say anything and you just like, the same thing after a really good movie. Like you just need to sit and like take it all in and take a minute to collect yourself. That happened to me after episodes of the wire, like multiple times a season. It was unbelievable when that music would hit, like the stakes were always so high. The characters were always so rich. It was incredibly entertaining. I just thought it was, it was incredible. Of course, the, 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 the Michael B. Jordan Wallace scene and the first, in the first season of the wire, like my wife was just completely destroyed, utterly destroyed, just a complete mess. I think it's brilliant. I think, I think it is the best television show, like by a lot. Like, I think that there's like, I love breaking bad is my number two. I think it's the wire and then like a really long way. And then breaking bad. That's how high and highly I think of the wire. Um, just absolutely incredible show. I've got the box set, even though I don't need it because HBO max is a thing now. Um, <laughs> but I still have it just in case anything ever happens to the digital version. I've got some, some, uh, hard media there. Um, this was fun. I love, I love TV. Maybe I'll start a TV podcast. We'll do an offshoot. Um, Lyle, my man, thank you so much for, for coming on. It's great. It's always great having you on the podcast. Sorry for keeping you so long. Um, but great discussion, discussing chiefs with you as always. Uh, do, do you know what you're writing next week? Anything that the, the listeners can look forward to on Monday? You know what? I don't know yet. I kind of have this cycle where I, 
I get a piece done on Monday and then I give it a few days. And then usually sometime Friday, Saturday, I start like circling around the ideas on what I'm going to land on. Yeah. So so nothing yet. Maybe, maybe the discussions in this show, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you, get the creative juices going. Make sure you check out Lyle stuff every Monday at arrowheadaddict.com. And of course, all of his colleagues and all the other writers over there who do just absolutely fantastic work. Um, all right, we're going to get out of here. It's been, it's been a long show. Uh, we were going to have a fun guest for you next week. I'm not going to give the game away just, just yet. Make sure you tune in. We've got a couple good guests coming up here as we move on throughout the off season. Keep it on arrowheadaddict.com for DeAndre Hopkins watch and for all the news coming out of OTAs. Uh, thank you to all of our subscribers and supporters. If you're interested in becoming a member of the Arrowhead Addict family, check out the link in the description. We'd love to get to know you, have a beer with you, hang out with you sometime soon. Uh, and appreciate all you do, you guys supporting us through the off season. Uh, it means more to us than you will ever know. We'll be back next week on Tuesday with the regular schedule of shows. But until then, for Lyle Graverson, for producer Richard, my name is Patrick Allen. We'll see you next week. But until then, as always, go Chiefs.